Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber. I'm Shaylee Evans, and I'm a life coach for pets and their people. I'm a truth seeker, and it's my passion to empower others and to give animals a voice along the way. I'm Amber Lydic, and I have been a performance horse trainer focused on behavioral issues for over 20 years. My current passion is creating impactful in-person and online events and collaborating with professionals to be on the leading edge of positive change in the horse industry. We are two friends invested in theta healing, belief system work, animal communication, and any resources that benefit human-animal partnerships. So turn up the volume and let's dive into the Great Awakening, brought to you by Our Horses. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening in. If you missed last week's episode, it was part one of our boundaries conversation. There's lots of juicy nuggets in there. Today we are doing part two of the boundaries conversation and we are starting with the energy of you're too much, which is um, my life's my life story. Um, <laughs> it's something that I have been working to move past for the better part of my adulthood and truly step into who I am because I am typically someone who... Um, is just loud. I'm just like loud. I have a lot to say. I have a big energy. I tend to just be like a big energy. I don't know. And as a kid, my mom used to be like, you're so loud. You're so dramatic. You're so rude. And in the context of boundaries, it's so interesting thinking back of how, and it makes me like relate to our horses too, because I used to give a soft boundary. Like my mom would be like, oh, I want you to come over here and do this. And I'd be like, no, I don't really want to. Can I finish this thought first and then I'll come over? And she'd be like, no, I want you to do this now. And I was just the type of kid who would be like, if you would just wait back. And I would yell at my mom and immediately go into rage or just there were certain scenarios where I was just so true to how I felt in the moment that nothing else was going to stop me. I was just true to who I was. And so I got labeled by my mom as very dramatic or um, rude or pushy or brutish or like I had a lot of different names. And um, I grew up with this energy of having this like you're too much. And what's so interesting to me as I like think about it and think of the relationships that I've cultivated. So on one hand, I created relationships with mentors and other people who were big energies. And I called myself the student. So I'd be like, oh, I want to be the student or I want to be the listener. The um, It's so interesting how I like pigeonholed myself into this identity that I created called the listener, where it mm-hmm. meant like, don't speak your mind. You don't know enough in order to mm-hmm. say something about this and that I work with clients a lot now where I'm like just because you don't know something about a subject does not mean that you can't speak up because you know your horse but anyway that's a whole nother story (laughs) and then I think of the animals that I brought into my life that were all they could all be considered too much I've never had a calm animal now that I think of it all of my animals are wild and like if you follow me on social media you see my horses. They're playing all day, every day with a jolly ball. They're kicking each other. They're running around. Yesterday, they all got loose and they tore down the driveway. <laughs> like, I just don't have calm animals. And it's it's kind of fun to um, 
to kind of reflect on that. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts around the year too much energy? I feel like I have a child that is a lot. And it's interesting that you talk you about I, a little Taurus, him and Shaylee, <laughs> him and Shaylee are their buddies. Uh, and I know that when I need something done by a certain time, I give him like a lot of warnings and countdowns so that he doesn't feel rushed and he knows that he's got like this window where he can do the things he needs to do. And then, and only then can I go and now, <laughs> and that still pisses him off. <laughs> so, but also myself growing up, mm, kind of feeling responsible for my mom's experience because she was a single mom and she was young and she was going through, you know, working full time and, um, going to school full time. And it was for me. That's always what was said. This is for you. And if you act up, if you're too loud, if you're too, you know, um, running around too much, or you're not doing things that create a space that makes your mom happy, then you're too much and you need to be quiet and girls are to be seen and not heard and all of that. And so, yeah, over the years, just kind of being shut down like that. And knowing that inside of me was someone that had big opinions about things. And I had those conversations inside my head when I would hear, I had a lot of arguing going on in the family. I'm just spilling the beans on my family right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the family dynamic was very interesting and I could sit on the outside of the room and think, Oh, I have all the answers. I can see it from an outside perspective. Like I see the, I see where everyone's connected and I see where there's a disconnection, but everyone still wants the same thing. And I always was thinking when I was young, if I could just tell them and they would just listen to me, I actually have a lot of valuable information to share with them. And I was like a small child. So no one was going to listen. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how most, I feel like most people ha have grown up like that in, until this like shift of, I think, gentle parenting or conscious parenting or whatever, it's like kind of taking over. I think most people are raised in that way where your true expression is shut down and seen as misbehavior or seen as bratty. I was always called a brat. Um, I was called spoiled mm -hmm. a lot um, because I, I yeah, because it was like, no, I have something to say. And I was going to, I was going to fucking say it. <laughs> and, you know, I, it was 50, 50. And I think it's why I'm not still like that. It's like the part of me that wanted to speak my mind always won. But by the time it was winning, it was because I was like raging about it and like yelling mm -hmm. about it instead of being, having an open space to be heard and letting it come out normal, it was like I would stuff it and stuff it and stuff it until it like just exploded out and then probably came out like a little asshole. But, you know, you don't you don't know all the dynamics when you're little. You don't understand that your people around you are only doing the best they can. And you, you don't understand that. You just know I'm a little being. I have an opinion and I want it to be heard. And I feel like my boundaries and we just had a discussion for our barn boundaries um, private Facebook group that if you guys want to join the links in the show notes about how we didn't really ever get taught about boundaries. <laughs> like one, like think about for anyone who's listening or watching, like when's the first time you actually even knew bound a boundary was a thing because it was, I don't, I was saying, I don't think it was still just recently for me that that was ever something that even crossed my mind. It wasn't something I knew to do or how to create or what it was or that I was allowed to have them. Like none of that existed in my realm. 
Yeah. You know what that makes me think of too is when, so like, and I, I'm thinking about it because my sister's kids are coming home from school and telling her that there's this little girl that is like bullying them or like wanting to do the same things as them. And it's so interesting how a lot of the times parents will be like, you need to learn how to be nice or you need to learn how to be X, Y, and Z so that you don't offend the other. Like, it's like kids are conditioned to be people pleasers. And um, it's funny because my sister has always been like someone who is a, my, both of my sisters, me and my sister have always just been very like, one would call us opinionated, but I think we are just very good boundary setters in certain ways. I somehow became a people pleaser. My <laughs> sister did not. And she is very much like, um, it's just funny. I had a conversation with her the other day and she's like, oh yeah, so-and-so's kid is doing X, Y, and Z. And so I told the girls like, you need to do what's best for you. And it's just, it's interesting how I feel like when I think about me growing up and I'd have a conflict with a kid, my mom was never like, oh, stand your ground. Well, actually my mom used to say there's leaders and there's followers, like choose who you're going to be. So, but it's <laughs> funny because like, I kind of misconstrued that and I just became like this, like very strongly, I guess just very strongly opinionated person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember ever as a kid hearing the word like, oh, you need to create a boundary you know, for your own self, it's, it, it always ends up being so-and-so did this to me, like, especially with siblings, like me and my sister fought all the time. And it's always like, he said, she said, she did this, I did that. And we grow up thinking that the other person made us feel a certain way or made us do a certain thing. And then your parents go, oh, don't hit your sister. When really it's like, if your if your parent like sat you down and was like, hey, you're feeling this way because of the way that you're feeling and whatever, whatever, like how much of that would change for kids as they grow up? That's such an interesting topic. Yeah. And I wonder if it isn't because the child doesn't know how to express themselves. And so it just boils over into hitting. <laughs> like if there were, oh, were yeah. language to how they were feeling or they knew how to communicate what was going on for them before hitting then it would probably negate a lot of that. I don't, we don't have that because I have such a large age gap with the kids. Um, and I got lucky with Austin, I think, who was pretty mellow. Johnny is the one that is bringing all the lessons for me. So it's interesting to watch. And then it's, <laughs> I'm very, very present to the things that I say to him. Like this last Friday, uh, I was going out of town and his dad was over on this side of my area. And so it was going to save me about an hour and a half of driving if I met up with him. And so I packed Johnny's bag and um, and I picked him up straight from school and took him to his dad's. And, and normally what happens is he comes here and he gets to do certain things. And he's very much into routine. It makes him feel stable. And I know that about him. So I was like, I was going to throw him off. So. I packed his bag, packed some snacks, and I was like, okay, he's going to probably be frustrated. He's going to have a little bit of, you know, whatever about this. But I had negotiated with his dad that he likes to watch videos of other kids playing video games. It's like a weird thing kids do nowadays. I don't let him do it all the time, but he gets a very <laughs> small amount of time only on Friday. So it's very important to him. And so I had talked to his dad and I said, look, he's going to be a little bit pissed. And so can you let him do this? Well, he had another horse to go do. So there was some time and he was like, yeah, it's fine. 
So I pick him up from school and immediately he gets into his backpack and realizes I have not packed his Nintendo. And I didn't know. And he, and we were already sort of, you know, running behind and he was so angry. And I had my friend that was, had come in from out of state with us and she's in the front seat and she's a coach. And it was interesting to hear her feedback about the way that it was handled because he, you know, of course he was upset. He was upset because his routine was being thrown off me knowing that we should do his human design. Me knowing that yeah, that's very important to him. And so I expected it and just let him, you know, he was so upset. He was almost crying. He was like, and then on top of it, I forgot his freaking Nintendo and I didn't know. And so I let him, I just let him say all, you know, oh, I'm so mad and upset. And I told my friends that we would play. And it was like, because those are very real things for him as adults, I think. And this goes in with horses too. Like the, the things that like people think should from their perspective be or not be upsetting for their horses animals mm -hmm. children they are <laughs> like they are very significant to them in their world and instead of downplaying it and being like you just ate grass you shouldn't want your bucket you should calm down or you know you know um expecting them to have a, the perspective of you do because you can see the bigger picture that's not real <laughs> because in their world me knowing that not acknowledging the level of emotion he was having in that moment was only going to do detriment to him because of the work we've done already. We know that. So I was like, I can hold space. It's not triggering me. He's upset. Let him be upset. Let it all out. Because if it doesn't come out, it's going to be in. And that's the internal stuff we're not, we're not trying to have. And I'm trying to save money on therapy later. So, you know, I just <laughs> held the space and I acknowledged, yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. You know, and after he calmed down a little bit, I was like, so maybe from now on, in case this happens again, we pack your your weekend bag for dad's house on Thursday night. And that way everything is in there in case something happens and the plan changes. And he was still upset, but that was kind of like how we were able to like conclude it. And then, you know, and we got out and he was still a little bit upset. And I put him in his dad's car and I hugged him and I, and I told his dad that he's really upset because, you know, I forgot something and I didn't know. And. And then we, so I said something that was kind of funny and it broke up the tension and he laughed and all was well. But if I had not let him express all that, if I had shut him down, if I had made him feel wrong about the way he was feeling, you know, and all of that didn't just like get sponged down on the way there, he would have held that probably in his nervous system. It might've been, it might've been until adulthood. Like this was a pretty big moment for him, for, mostly because half of it was because he promised his friends and he was very set on, I told them I would play with them. I told them when I got home, I would play with them. So part of it was his integrity was a little bit out of whack. And it's something we talk about a lot. So there were a lot of things happening for him. So the same thing, you know, when you talk about the horses being able to hold space for them to feel how they feel about things that they're not agreeing to, that they are out of their routine, that they're, you know, you're throwing them off and they're a little bit confused and overwhelmed. Like, why are we telling them? that's not the way it's supposed to be or it's not allowed. Well, it's because we got told that. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool that you were able to do that for him. And it totally, like when you're like, he might have held on to that forever. I'm thinking, actually, <laughs> yeah, like that totally brought me back to my well, childhood. Where, it sounds like, dramatic to say, right? But like, we know that those moments when there's that much emotion, like you could feel it in the depths of his being. Like, it wasn't like he was just like bummed out. Like he was like the cry 
and the the pounding on the seat, like the things that he had in him, like it was it would have been a very significant thing that I think might have just had to be talked about later. And I don't get to say what's significant and, and important to him, but I could feel <laughs> what was happening. And so I was like, but you can't hold the space unless you understand that and you're not triggering your own stuff. And I think that's why this work is so important. And these conversations are so important it's because if you have all that in yourself and you've been shut down and you haven't been allowed to, it's going to trigger you to feel the same way. And you're going to want to shut it down because it's very upsetting for you. And mm -hmm. the guilt and the shame about, oh, my God, I'm a bad mom. And oh, shit, I thought I should have thought about that. And oh, I should have just said this stick to the routine because that's what is going to make him feel the best. It was like, no, I want to expand his ability to cope in situations that are stressful or not ideal without shutting him down and making him feel like, you know, it's not valid. So, um, so I think, yeah, us doing the work is the, the reasons why, whether it's kids or spouses or coworkers or, you know, your animals or whatever it is, it all kind of boils down to that piece and you feel better. And also the next yeah. podcast we're going to release talks about why. <laughs> so hold on to that. <laughs> oh God. I sometimes I feel like I'm a wise little <laughs> grandfather snail. And then like sometimes I feel like I'm just very first, like a little hatchling in the work <laughs> because well, one, I like it's like I know these things, right? And I it really resonates when you're like, you don't get to invalidate someone else's feelings and you don't get to tell, like, you don't get to decide how they feel and decide what's important to them, decide what's scary, decide what's upsetting. Like that is such a real thing. And I had to have this conversation with myself and it's so funny how like I have started giving myself space to express. So I had like a like full-blown timber tantrum yesterday. But this is so embarrassing to say, but like this is where I'm at in my journey, you guys. And I'm just someone who likes to keep it real. So <laughs> Hip is historically a horse that cannot stand bugs. Like I have to give him the entire summer off. He's inconsolable. He's he's beyond, beyond. Like he just cannot. And I think part of it is because he has um, fractured his face twice playing with the other horses and slamming it on a four by four. And I think he's got some nerve pain, yet the nerve pain is like, yet his issue is like seasonal. Like if he doesn't have the overstimulation of bugs, he's a really like, he's a really calm dude. Um, and I know that about him and I've done a lot of internal work around like not taking on that energy and speaking of human design I'm I'm someone who um like I have an undefined root and I have um characteristics of my like chart or my being where I don't have a clear like I guess like understanding or awareness always of like my own fear or my own emotions so I'm like very very like um I can take on the emotions of others very easily so it's interesting to me and now I really want to know like what Johnny's is because it'll be cool to see if like he's kind of that way too. But um, and we know you're not. So Amber's human design is very much like she's very aware of what her own fears are. She's very aware of what her own emotions are. She's got like the groundedness energy. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus, for that <laughs> and for placing her in my path. Um, so I bring him out into the arena anyway because I'm like, oh, it's kind of windy. The bugs aren't going to be too bad. There's not even flies out. It's just these little flying ants. And would you say flying is, ants? Yes, they're that's disgusting. So 
I know they okay. really are. Annoying. Sorry. At least I'm they don't shopping. bite, but they, dude. And I texted, I texted Justin and I was like, we cannot retire in Tennessee. These <laughs> bugs are outrageous. And he's like, I feel that this is in context with one of your horses, most likely Kip. I think that this is an emotional response. And like, he totally like responded, like knew I had like a shit time with Kip and was like, okay, we can't just move because of your bad experience. But it's so frustrating because Kip gets overstimulated and he's got a, he like snaps his head around and he'll strike out a front foot and he like can't even walk two steps without itching his face on his leg. And he's just so you know whatever and I'm like oh, I just want to go on just like one little small loop around the, <laughs> the like around the property or even if I just you know got on you and we like whatever like we do whatever it doesn't or even I don't even get on you like maybe we just do a little clicker training no he couldn't do anything <laughs> and because I have kept myself and I know for a fact that I have kept myself from expressing emotions the entirety of my life because I was just telling Rochelle, I have like the body of a 90 year old. Like my muscles are so painful, so sore. I've had endless blood work done for like autoimmune diseases, for Lyme's, for, for just like so many different things. And most everything comes back negative. And I know that it's like emotion based. And so in those moments, I'm such an internalizer where like, I will just get frustrated and I like boil on the inside and I can feel myself like and this is where I get into like this compulsive thought where I'm like Shaylee there's like the the <laughs> devil and the angel where like the angel is like you've done so much work like you should really like stay calm take a deep breath it's okay just take him back into the barn aisle you'll try again another day then the devil on me is like ah, mm -hmm. like just so <laughs> mad and like you deserve to play with your horse or whatever and so I literally had like a meltdown yesterday where I had to like hold space for myself and I just like left Kip where he was. And I was like, <laughs> I literally tantrumed, like stomped my feet. Like I didn't like externally scream, but I like clenched my fists. And like, it's literally like a little kit where you were like, basically how Johnny was like punching the seat. Mm -hmm. I like kind of have to get into that space. And that's what happens to me when I do your somatic journeys and stuff. Because I was not, like, I was never allowed to do that as a kid. Like, in mm -hmm. fact, if I ever even slammed my door or stomped off, my mom would take my door off the hinges. So, like, yeah. I had no privacy. I was just, like, <laughs> in my room. And um, it was so funny how I had to be, like, ah! and it had nothing to do with, like, my horse not doing what I wanted. It was the fact that, like he it was it's like a responsibility piece too where it was just like I can't make this better for you mm -hmm. and I hate the fact that you're miserable but it was so funny how and I think the reason why I'm telling this story is because like I feel a lot of people will relate to it because especially when you're in the work it's like you know what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> and then that other part of you is like I just have to like be in this right now but then I guess that's what um Rochelle was was talking about and I know Jane Pike talks about this too where I'm gonna butcher this but I think it's 30 no I think it's 60 to 90 seconds is how long an emotion lasts and if it lasts longer than that you're like choosing to stay there you're choosing mm -hmm. to stay there and that's where Rochelle would be like okay so there's a belief system behind this like there's a reason why you're staying in this space so mm -hmm. I guess I say all this to say that if you're in the work and you're finding this spaces when you do 
Well, one, allow yourself to have the tantrum. Okay. I was going to say you... good for you that you did that because that's probably closing a loop somewhere along the line when that needed mm -hmm. to happen and couldn't. So that's like a thing, right? Like it was not harming anyone or like, you know, in the middle of the grocery store causing a scene. There's <laughs> there's good places to do it and there's not used discernment. But like I had a tantrum like an hour and a half ago when my kid hijacked the shower and I had planned very strategically to have an hour to get ready because I had to dry my hair before this call. And I was so frustrated and I even got out and I was still frustrated because then I had to dry my hair. And so I like pounded my fist on the counter. Like, who just get it out. You don't want that. I don't know. This is my body. I'm so irritated. And then I said, there's ways to communicate. I wasn't very clear that I needed to be in the shower. I took responsibility. It's fine. But let yourself have the tantrum. I love that. Tantrum. Do it. So I'm, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Thank you. I was glad too, because I came back to my horse and he was like, do you feel better? And I was like, yes, let's go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he just knows that it has nothing, but you know, it's so interesting because had I not done that, mm. I feel like those little things escalate. Like that's, that's what ends up happening when like in the past I would have gotten on him anyway. And then I would have mm. been frustrated that he was throwing his head and I would have fought him in the contact. And I would have like, mm. you know, forced him into something that he like, that was totally the old me. And that's like what, and it's funny because for a while he really expected that. And now I've, mm. I've really been, that's like the cool thing about the work is like, um, for a while he would feel my energy and he'd stop at the arena and like not want to go in and <laughs> I like he'd be like look I feel your energy I know you're not going to do anything about it and then you're going to get on my back and then I'm going to have to do something about it so now we're in this space where like and he just watched me like I was like mm -hmm, like pounding the sand and stuff and um he just stood there watch watching me and like tossing his head around and like waiting for me to be done so that I could bring him back in like knowing full well that I wasn't going to get on him after that and I think another thing that that has like allowed me to do is um like hold space for him when he does that because before it was like don't be crazy don't be dramatic you're so dramatic about the bugs and he's the one that taught me like you don't get to decide like how I feel about the bugs like this is a very real thing for me like it bothers me I don't want shit tickling my face like this is an invasive and bugs are let's just get real bugs are very invasive they're very annoying and um I was in a lesson one time and the instructor was like, if your horse is really in tune with you, they can ignore the bugs and not care about them. But I mean, if a fly is biting with you, they're going to freaking care about the bugs. So that's a whole thing in itself. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Long story short, have the tantrum away from your horse and then hold, you'll be able to hold space for them to have their own tantrums. Cause how many times do we, especially with biting, I know we've had this conversation a lot <laughs> where it's like, why is my horse biting me? And I feel like my horse used to bite me so much. Like when we first met, I remember telling you like <laughs> my horses bite me so much. And now that I like have my little freakouts or my little moments or like, even when I'm excited, because like I told you guys at the beginning of this call, I'm a very excitable person. I'm a very <laughs> like kind of like big, loud energy. And so sometimes I just have to take a little sprint around. <laughs> and like when I wouldn't do that before, um, 
my horses would bite me and stuff because they'd be like, dude, you're like a shaken up soda can. Like <laughs> you really need to get that energy away from me. So whatever it is, it can be a positive emotion too. And mm-hmm. just allow yourself to express. You I like that. A boarding bar. I like that he got to hold space for you. Like the reciprocity within that is fun because he's just being an example of how to do that. And I think that they are ultimately our teachers. And when we start to pay attention and listen to them and take their lead and example of how we can experience life, it's like there's so much goodness in that. And because I think people really have the misconception that they need to be like calm and, you know, and focused and present and all the things to be around their horse when really they just need to be real with how they're feeling like you can be frustrated and mad and all the things and as long as you're aware of it the horses are super chill um and are not worried about coming in because your level of awareness is there then you decide what you'll be doing based off of how you feel for the day like you can't be pissed off and know you're pissed off and then go ride and expect to have a good ride that's not what i'm saying it's being in in touch with like oh yeah i'm having an early day this xyz what i'm not going to do is go on and do something really challenging you know on my animal and try to mm-hmm. convince myself that it somehow is going to make it better when it's not i promise it's not <laughs> so it's like feel how you're feeling and then decide maybe they just get turned out and maybe i just sit and stay away stay away from them or you know whatever that looks like for you but um i think they like when we know how we're feeling and that we're taking care of our own nervous system separately from them. (laughs) Because if we don't, it creates confusion. And that has been like, that's been one of my biggest lessons. And also I've talked to two horses this week that like, just, I can think of where they're like, okay, I'm really confused because your energy saying one thing and you're saying another. And like, it's just a very confusing process. So there's this clarity when it, when you kind of allow yourself to express and you take accountability. But also I think one of the biggest lessons that I feel like I had to really work through, um, is a lot around ego, which is kind of interesting because I always think of ego as like, um, as like not necessarily necessarily a negative thing but somewhere where I like I don't want to be like I always want to be like a humble person or whatever but in human design um ego is defined as like your desire to have something and allowing yourself to have it like that's what the ego is and it can be like material stuff or it can be like whatever but it's like how like are you someone who is predisposed to like giving yourself what you want and being okay with having material things and stuff? Or are you someone who has that undefined? Uh, Mine is yours is, I can't remember what yours is actually. Mine's undefined. And it, it just makes so much sense for me because I've had to really do a lot of work around like having something like, or like wanting to have something and then something happened where I can't have it. And that like visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think we all get that way where there's like a visceral reaction of like, mm-hmm. when you can't, like, I want to go for a fucking ride, damn it. Like, why can't <laughs> I have that? But when you really like break it down, it's like, I want this from another being from someone else, because it will make me feel X. So like, mm-hmm. I'm looking to achieve a certain emotion. And that's what I love about the work that we're doing because we're like, okay, how can you bring, how can you call your power back? How can you find that emotion within yourself 
and not have to need X, Y, or Z. I mean, yeah, that's fun. But if you could come to that center first and Mm -hmm. before, when I was less aware, I would get really angry and I'd be like, I just need to ride you. And I think it circles back to, um, that after all I've done for you conversation, because when I think about that, like when you were like, Oh, you know, all of this is for you, your mom telling you that as a kid, my mom used to have a spreadsheet. And anytime I think you guys have heard me talk about this. Anytime I didn't do anything that she wanted, she would break out the spreadsheet and talk about all the things she bought for me mm-hmm. that week and was like, this is all for you. Like you need to be a good kid. That's so And crazy. I know. And then I start thinking about when I boarded Kip and I used to be like, I'm paying $800 a month <laughs> after all I do for you, all of these mm-hmm. supplements, all this, the least you could do is watch our cannon for me. And that, that is just <laughs> so dumb. But it's such an easy mindset to be in when you're raised like that. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it even what it wasn't necessarily even my mom. It was outside sources like my grandfather, her dad and my grandmother and my uncles. So it's interesting that it didn't even come from her. It came from them who are mm-hmm. who sort of raised her too. So yeah, it's it's just wild when you can look back and see that stuff from like a further away, like zoomed out, like, oh, I see how all of this like ties together. And when you think about being able to set boundaries and you think about how you need to be able to tap into exactly how you feel and what you want and need and validate those things for yourself in order for you to be able to voice those boundaries. It's like such a big step in the entire process. It's like, if you can't think of what you need and want and what feels good and what feel and what doesn't feel good, and then identify like why you feel like you need and want it, where is it coming from? Is it coming from fear? Is it coming from frustration? Is it, or is it coming from actually this makes me feel really unsafe or it makes me feel, you know, um, whatever you you can look mm-hmm. at it and identify and go okay now this is someplace i need to say hey by the way you know this isn't working for me i need xyz instead of just either shutting down and shrinking down to be not as not too much or um shifting into just like exploding and bulldozing over people <laughs> like horses do i'm both of those actually so mm-hmm. <laughs> Going a, through the lesson. Well, so it's like a fluctuation because I, well, I think too, because that's what happens. It's like you are who you are and you start out and you're saying your truths, you know, and then they get shut down and you get told stories around what that means you are or are not and that how you will have connection or not by being that way. It only takes so long before the pressure builds and it explodes out, you know, so there, there's that balance of when I can identify something that's happening for me right this moment and honor it for myself, not expect anyone else to do that for me, identify what I need or what I don't need in that moment so that it doesn't reach that boiling point, then that's really like what we're all trying to get to. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. It's a rough road, but (laughs) we'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. So come join us and talk about it with us. Yep. Um, You guys want to join the barn boundary conversation we are having in a private Facebook group with a little video series and then one live call on the 14th. It's all free. And it's just an important topic that I think needs to be talked about. And there's so many people in there, you know, I think there's like, there's quite a few people in there now. Um, 
So I know it's something that needs to be talked about and beliefs about mm -hmm. boundaries, what boundaries actually are, why we really want to be able to find what those are, identify them and, and learn ways to, to um, put those into our lives in real time. <laughs> um, then join us. You just have to click the link in the in the bio and not in the bio in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we will see you guys later. See you there.